Hello everyone. You are listening to the Creative Biolabs podcast, we provide reliable exosome-related services and products to clients around the world. Our services cover all aspects of exosome isolation and purification, identification, antibody and engineering. Dear friends in the audience, hello and welcome to our program on time every Saturday night. I'm Connie, and in this episode, we're excited to be joined by our old friend Dr. Hofstadter. Dr. Hofstadter, welcome, and thank you for joining us. Thanks Connie, thanks for having me on the podcast. And good evening every dear friend in the audience. It is quite nice to see you again. So listeners who follow this podcast should still be impressed by our last episode's content. We discussed the important role of tumor microvesicle-mediated intercellular communication in tumor growth. They can transfer molecules that induction of angiogenesis, tumor proliferation, and attenuation of immune responses, and are not secreted through the classical secretory pathway. For example, tumor microvesicles are enriched in a family of metalloproteinases that play a key role in the metastatic spread of tumors. Additionally, we discussed related studies on microvesicle-mediated horizontal gene transfer. For instance, microvesicles have been shown to horizontally transfer oncogene sequences and induce neoplastic phenotypes in non-transformed cells. What's more, we also mentioned microvesicles can act as release compartments for unwanted substances in cells. All the mechanisms involved in microvesicle gene transfer are not yet understood, but I think Dr. Hofstadter can lead us to explore some possible mechanisms today. So Dr. Hofstadter, where do we start? Okay, maybe we could start with the susceptibility of horizontal gene transfer. I think an increasingly clear conclusion is that the human genome is more dynamic than we previously thought. The human genome is constantly attacked by foreign DNA, including but not limited to viruses, transposons, and DNA ingested by food. When new DNA is integrated into the genome, we are usually protected by an ancient defense mechanism. This mechanism methylates and silences DNA. Even food-derived DNA could be integrated into the intestinal epithelium, and can be transferred to other organs and the placenta to the fetus. Interesting. So, in other words, gene transfer is a very frequent phenomenon. It makes me think, will hematopoietic cell transfer also occur in patients, with hematopoietic transplantation? Definitely. Studies have shown that, the epithelial tissue of human recipients of allogeneic hematopoietic cell transplantation, contains donor DNA. According to the data, nearly 90% of the patients who received hematopoietic stem cell transplantation had donor DNA in their cheek swabs. Moreover, this metastasis is mediated by vesicles or apoptotic bodies, which is a previously described mechanism. As far as I know, recent studies have shown that tumor microbubbles are rich in transposable factors, such as human endogenous retroviruses. These elements are mediators of genetic instability and one of the hallmarks of cancer. What are the mechanisms involved in their horizontal transfer through microbubbles? Let's take retrotransposon, also known as the jumping gene, as an example. It is a sequence that can transpose itself in the genome through RNA intermediates. 
Retrotransposon RNA is reverse transcribed back to DNA and integrated into the genome through reverse transcriptase and integrase. Therefore, for each retrotransposon event, it generates an additional copy of itself elsewhere in the genome. You know, this is in contrast to DNA transposons. DNA transposons remove themselves from the genome and move as a cut-and-paste mechanism. DNA translocation will still leave scars in the genome because the target sequence is repeated during integration and will leave traces in the form of short repeats. However, DNA transposons are thought to be silent in the human genome. You mean, these retrotransposons cannot be transcribed and translated into the human genome? Then what is the significance of their existence? Yeah, but actually, these genes play an important role in promoting evolution and increasing genome plasticity, changing our gene composition, and affecting gene regulation. As you may know, retrotransposon sequences account for a large proportion of the human genome, about 45%. These include about 1 million ALU sequences, half a million line 1 of which around 100 are transcriptionally active, and then code the proteins necessary for retrotransposition, and thousands of human endogenous retroviruses sequences. Transposable elements need to invade the germline of a new host in order to persist in a population. Until they become inactive through something called vertical deactivation and remain only as a fossil. I see. So, could I push the thought a little further and ask why is horizontal transfer necessary for transposable elements? What is the relationship between microvesicle-mediated transfer and them? Well, to ensure the survival of a transposon, it must be passed on to a new genome by horizontal gene transfer. This could even happen between different phyla. Since transposable elements are not inherently infectious, it is unclear how these elements are able to invade new genomes, but I know an opinion of using parasites, such as viruses has been proposed. However, since these genetic elements are present in microvesicles, the microvesicle-mediated transfer may be an alternative mechanism. I was wondering how would the human genome be affected if transposable elements were activated? To be honest, the activation of transposable elements can have both good and bad effects on our genome. Syncytin is the key to the formation of placental syncytia, derived from the human endogenous retrovirus envelope protein gene. Indeed, comparative studies of the genomes of mice and rats, as well as humans and chimpanzees, have shown that these regions have contributed significantly to the evolution of gene expression between these species. Do human endogenous retroviruses play a role in cancer? How are they related to other retroviruses? Good question. As a matter of fact, retroviruses have long been suspected of playing a role in human cancers. And they have been described as the causative agent of several cancers in mice and chickens. Human endogenous retroviruses enter the human host by infecting germ cells. Since then, most of them have acquired mutations and deletions, but some still retain the ability to encode functional proteins. However, we still do not have a comprehensive understanding of how these mobile elements are regulated and learn to coexist in our genomes. Human endogenous retroviruses remain very similar to the retroviruses from which they are derived. 
certain cancers that reactivate human endogenous retroviral transcription, produce viral particles with envelope proteins and viral RNA. But human endogenous retroviruses have acquired mutations that make them very similar to normal retroviruses. Some retroviruses transform cells by trapping oncogenes during viral replication or insertional mutagenesis. I remember retroviruses such as HIV-1 and microvesicles being thought to have a common origin. Why this? Because scientists discovered that microvesicles and retroviruses released from T-cells share biogenesis mechanisms and content. Additionally, human endogenous retroviruses RNA sequences appear to be specifically packaged into microvesicles and can be transferred horizontally from one cell to another. Some human endogenous retroviruses sequences are upregulated in tumors, and it seems to be tissue-specific upregulation. I think this may suggest that they are differentially regulated in tissues and have distinct functions. For example, human endogenous retroviruses K has been implicated in the malignant transformation of melanoma. Human endogenous retroviruses H, highly expressed in the fetal brain, is the most abundant human endogenous retroviruses in glioblastoma microvesicles. The line one you just mentioned is the most active autonomous retrotransposon in the mammalian genome. They have reverse transcriptase activity and can reverse transcribe not only themselves, but also other messenger RNAs to generate pseudogenes. So, what is the link between line one and cancer growth? Well, cancer cells have different levels of endogenous line 1 messenger RNA expression, but generally higher levels. Tumor cells typically hypomethylated line 1 genomic region, thereby unleashing its transcriptional activity. Line 1 can often affect the transcription levels of other genes. Moreover, insertional mutations have been shown in cancers, such as colon and breast cancer. Line 1 molecule appear to be specifically enriched in certain types of tumor-derived microvesicles. In addition, there is evidence that the Line 1 endonuclease is involved in gene fusions in prostate cancer. Which cancers are associated with the horizontal transfer of ALU elements? The ALU element is associated with genetic disorders and the insertion mutation of cancer, such as retinoblastoma, breast cancer, and neurofibromatosis. ALUs are the most abundant group of short interspersed elements. They are non-autonomous in the sense that they depend on line 1 for their transposition. These ALU elements were recently found to be very abundant in microvesicles. You know what, the interesting thing is, their size is consistent with the abundance of RNA in microvesicles. The activity of retrotransposon in cells needs to be tightly controlled in normal tissues. Otherwise, they can have serious deleterious effects on the genome. What are the mechanisms that control retrotransposon activity? In most cells, they are regulated by mechanisms, such as genome-level methylation, PWE interacting RNA expression, or cytidine deaminase family apolipoprotein B, mRNA editing enzyme catalytic polypeptide-like expression. However, Retrotransposon activity appears to play a crucial role in certain developmental stages. Embryonic cells as well as cancer cells have increased expression of these elements compared to differentiated cells. 
Induced pluripotent stem cells express higher levels of the line 1 sequence. Furthermore, retrotransposition of human line 1 was 10 times more efficient in induced pluripotent stem cells than in parental human dermal fibroblasts. Hypomethylation of line 1 and ALU sequences in cancer is associated with genomic instability. This upregulated activity of transposable elements may affect the genome integrity and plasticity of these progenitors. And line 1 transposition has been shown to be involved in the regulation of the developing brain. Dr. Hofstadter explained to us the role of these transposable elements and other repeats in our genome. The potential for horizontal gene transfer via microvesicles is increasing the complexity of gene regulation in multicellular organisms. I think that's a great point for us to end on. Thanks to Dr. Hofstadter for his wonderful science popularization. Thank you all for joining us and stay tuned for future episodes. See you next time. Thank you. I hope we will see you next time.